Ready to learn, grow, and take your practice to the next level? Let's do this. Welcome, everybody, to ADOM Radio, the podcast for dental managers. I'm your host, John Stamper, and thanks for joining us. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of ADOM Radio. I am so excited. This is a treat today to have with us the founder and president of ADOM, Heather Colicchio. And it is a podcast that I think all of you are going to get so much out of. I'm just going to share with you kind of the title of of where we're going to go with this today. So this is talking about three of the top challenges that are facing many dental office managers across the country and then some solutions for them. So this is actually feedback from some of the actual ADOM members at one of the roundtables, one of the ADOM roundtables at the Yankee Dental Meeting. So first off, Heather, thank you so much for coming on ADOM Radio today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, John. All right. So we're going to hop right into this. And mm-hmm. I know you have laid out really these three uh, top challenges, these categories. I know you're going to get into details and then, uh, you know, depending on time, we've got a fourth bonus one that maybe we'll get to, but, um, it, you know, really we've got these three, uh, treatment acceptance is a big one. I know that you mentioned a lot of people were talking about then certainly, uh, no shows. And one that I'm really excited to hear you share, which was, was kind of interesting is social media. And, yeah. but not the social media that normally we hear about as far as marketing, but excessive, excessive social media with employees. So I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback mm-hmm. with that. Great. And when I, you know, when I say these are the top three challenges, that's not me saying these are the top three challenges. These are our members telling, telling me <laughs> these are our top three challenges because we always start by asking what, what are your pain points? What is troubling you today? And, you know, we would kind of let them talk about it and vote. And these are what came up to be the three. And I should preface that really by saying dental insurance is, you know, the Mac Daddy. That's that's probably always the biggest. Right. Um, but that's a whole other topic. So these are beyond that kind of really the day-to-day things in the practice that are challenges. And, and what is so great about ADOM and about our members is, we don't just say here are the challenges, we say here are the solutions. And the way we derive the solutions are from other members. So at Yankee, we do it every year at Yankee Dental Congress. Love that meeting. We do it every year at Greater New York. We do it at our meeting. We break our members who are the dental office managers and practice administrators into groups. Um, you know, we, we survey them. What are your biggest challenges? And then we say, talk amongst yourselves. Have at it. Talk about what you did in your practice. Um, with this particular topic, what worked, what didn't work, what would you recommend? So these are real life solutions from real life people who are dealing with these issues on a day-to-day basis in their practice. This isn't ADOM saying this is what you should do. This is, this is really um, good, solid advice that we got as feedback from the membership. Yeah. Well, and again, I think that's what's so great about ADOM is that especially uh, as more and more dental managers and not just dental managers, but dental professionals, dentists and hygienists across the the profession uh, become members of ADOM. It makes it just that much stronger. And it just, uh, all of their feedback, like, like you said, Heather is real live 
challenges, but then solutions, you know, people wanting to help mm-hmm. people, which makes the tribe and the community just that much stronger. So awesome yeah. stuff. And I'm, ex- I'm excited to, I'm very excited to hear you share uh, really <laughs> what, 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 what their insight was. So let's, mm-hmm. let's start with, um, if you're good with this, let's start with treatment mm-hmm. acceptance, including money. Yep. You know, that was definitely one of the, the, the main topics that was discussed. That was, and that was a big one. Treatment acceptance. You need your patient's to accept the treatment uh, that they need because that's how you get paid. That's how you keep revenue flowing in the practice. At the end of the day, it also brings them good oral health, which is the ultimate goal. Um, but it, it's not just prescribing the treatment. It's, it's a process. It's getting the patient to accept the treatment. So h- how do you do that? Um, and what came up is that it's, it's, it's a touchy subject because it's really not just about treatment. It's about money. And people get funny sometimes with money and costs and fees. So some people just shy away and don't want to talk, you know, dental office manager or dentist even might not want to talk about it because money is an an emotional thing. So some of the solutions that uh, our attendees came up with was to, one was to have the hygienist present treatment in front of the patient or have the dentist present treatment. So you don't want them walking up to the front desk, not knowing what their next steps are, what their next treatment is or what their next treatment options are. Um, some were in favor of having the hygienist do it. If the hygienist was the one working on the patient, others um, were in favor of the dentist doing it. But you really don't want them leaving the operatory without having in their mind what their next treatment would look like. Mm-hmm. Then the handoff is critical. So from the time they get from the back of the office to the front, that, that's critical. So one of the really great um, tips that one of the attendees had is to instant message the treatment to the front desk and get the treatment into the computer so the front desk can pull it immediately. So by the time the patient gets there, your front desk team knows what the, the prescribed treatment is, and they can discuss it, and they can discuss the finances around it. Mm-hmm. Um, intraoral cameras, big one. Uh, you know, so many dentists go out, they learn about the latest technology, they invest in it, and don't use it. If you have it, use it. And a lot of our members saw tremendous results when the practice started really um, using the, the intraoral cameras that they have, not just to diagnose, but to lay out treatment. And when a patient sees it, they can understand it better, and they're more likely to want to get the treatment that they need. It's visual, mm-hmm. and it helps them understand what's needed and helps them understand um, why the doctor's recommending it and then helps them understand, you know, how, how important it is that they invest in it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting one because for years uh, I have tended to use this analogy that dentistry uh, is kind of the same as getting our vehicles fixed. I know people out there are going, well, okay, where's he going with this? But to your point, it's, I mean, how many times other, I mean, I know I've done it where you go to get your car fixed or something's not right. And if you don't know what's inside that engine, everything is a mystery. And we're, we're banking on the person that we're working with and, and trusting their brand or who they are to kind of just let us know that you need some work here, you need some work here without mm-hmm. seeing that. And dentistry, to your point, is, is no different. If those patients don't see their own mouth and what's going on, there's always going to be that element of, you know, are they really telling me what needs to be done? So I love that. That's, that's certainly a great solution. I think that's a great analogy. I, I mean, absolutely. You want to understand why the recommendation is being made. I have a friend who, you know, every time her car makes a funny noise, she just turns up the radio louder and then she doesn't hear the noise anymore. 
But that's not really very safe, and it's not safe to do with your car, and it's not safe to be ignorant with your oral health either. So absolutely. And it was also recommended, John, that that the front office team put in their notes. So a lot of the practice management software systems have notes where you 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 can put your you know input your own um, data, and they it's recommended that they put in the consequences of not following the treatment. So share with the patient, here's what happens if you don't follow the treatment, but also document it. You want to document that you share that with the patient. As far as the money part of it, have them sign a financial agreement. So, and, and, you know, some of the attendees said kind of, you kind of want to lay out a worst case scenario. Um, This is, this is the most it will cost. And then if it's not that much, everybody's happy. But you don't ever want to do, you know, best case scenario necessarily because then if it is more, the patient is unhappy with you. Really, um, not because you were trying to get more money, but because there was more treatment needed. So you really want to kind of do a worst case scenario, um, and don't guarantee that insurance will pay anything. Again, if they do, that's great. But you want to estimate on worst case, and you want to make sure you're guaranteeing that insurance won't pay anything. Right. Yeah, it's interesting on the uh, another analogy that just came to mind in in the context of consequences, uh, and and it's the it's the contractor situation, right? And and those of us that have worked with the really good ones will come in, and maybe they're going to do work on the house or what have you, and and they'll say, you know, this is what needs to get done, and I just want to let mm-hmm. you know it's your decision, but I just want to let mm-hmm. you know that if we don't do it this way, this is what happens, and then they stop and pause. And then I have to sit there and think to myself, <laughs> holy cow, if I don't do this, that's, that's the case. So I love that idea of having those consequences in there as well. That's um, very helpful. Right. And documenting the consequences, I think, was a, a, a great tip. Um, the other thing that came up is a financial agreement. So have them sign a financial agreement that it's, it's good for both parties. So here's the recommended treatment, here are some estimates um, if you want to put a pay- payment plan in or, you know, how it will be paid. But once it's signed, there are no surprises. And that's important. And that's something we hear over and over. And most practices are doing that. Credit cards are another one. Uh, some practices keep credit cards on file so they can automatically bill for treatment. Uh, again, that, have to, that has to be agreed to ahead of time, obviously. And some practices actually have two credit cards on file. So if one fails, they have a backup. And they said patients really um, did not have an issue with that, which I was surprised, you know, mm-hmm. handing over two credit cards. And what one attendee did, her, she was getting some pushback from her team. They said, well, we feel funny asking um, our patients to give us their credit card to hold. And she went around every time she had a doctor's appointment or she had any type of appointment where they asked for a credit card, she asked for a copy of their policy where she would sign and said, yes, it's okay for you to hold my credit card on file. And when she had a good amount, she put them in a binder and handed it back to her team and said, here's all the businesses in town that are holding credit cards on file. So, Mm. you know, it's, it's really okay. My only recommendation is to make sure that if you're holding it in your software, um, that you're PCI compliant. And that's something that your credit card company or your practice management software can work with you on, but you don't want to sort of have a obviously file drawer full of written credit card numbers. So there are ways to hold them securely electronically. You just really want to make sure you're, you're compliant in the way you're doing it. Gotcha. Okay. 
All right. So what else? What other what other areas uh, were they oh. talking about as far as treatment acceptance? Treatment acceptance, another um, one that came up, and this one I love. So if it comes down to where the, the dentist or the hygienist has actually presented the treatment, and now you have to get into the financial arrangement, have a separate space designated for that. If you at all can, have a, a consult room where you just talk about um, treatment acceptance and financial agreements. Because like I said, it's an emotional thing. It's a personal thing. You don't want to be out in a waiting room uh, with a room full of people talking about dollars and cents and your credit cards and your bank accounts. And those who did have a designated space simply for not just case presentation, but discussion of financial agreements had a much higher success rate in getting patients to you know, accept treatment. Okay. All right. Let's see what 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 are other areas? I'm curious. Anything in regards to? I know there's a lot of practices when it comes to treatment acceptance that are have different sort of like payment options and and third party and things like that or whatever. Any any feedback from what people talked about as far as that's concerned? That was really across the board. I have to say, um, practices had all different systems. One. One mantra that kept coming up, though, is make it clear we're not the bank. We're a dental practice. We're not your bank. So we have to be, you know, we're not going to float you alone. We need to be paid for our services. And I think that is really important because you do have a personal relationship with your patients and you want to make things work, but you're not a bank. You're a business and you have to operate like a business. So I think just keeping that in mind makes all the other um, ways that patient can finance their treatment easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's, I'm sure you see it, you hear it all the time, Heather, for all the people that you guys have worked with that treatment plan acceptance just seems like one of those areas where no matter how good you get, no matter how efficient you get, things are changing. There's always little tiny things, right. That the practice can do to make Mm -hmm. this better and better and better. And, and it's exciting. Like you started with when a practice does this very well, because ultimately what it means is the goal is a win-win between both, you know, the practice, but most importantly, the patient getting that care. And, and, you know, I think back to providers that, that, that I've worked with over the years and the really, really good ones. And right out the bat, they were fully transparent. They said, listen, our job is to let you know what work needs to be done in order for you to be healthy. You know, ultimately you make the decision as the patient, but uh, mm-hmm. and, and so it's exciting. I think the practices are talking about this and it sounds like a lot of your ADOM members are coming up with a solution. So they really stuff. are. And, and, you know, what was nice is no one was suggesting sweeping changes, you know, like right. from the practice on its ear. It's the little <laughs> things, like you said, John, the little tweaks, the little things that you can implement. Like if you have a space designated just for a discussion of, treatment acceptance, if you can get an instant message to the front desk before the patient gets there, if you can increase your use of the intraoral cameras, even, you know, 15%, it's the little things that will, at the end of the day, have a big impact. No question. All right. So the next topic is kind of interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to try this segue here. So the team gets really good at treatment acceptance, Mm -hmm. but then they have a little bit of challenge of getting people to not come into (laughs) practice, right? And or what is known as... No, that was no. exactly the very next topic. So we've got everyone agreeing to um, commit to their treatment and come in, and then they don't come in. Right. So, right. And that's so, something right. everyone, you know, every dental um, 
front team member can relate to because it falls on the front team to to get them in. So where are they? <laughs> and how do we get them in? And how do we um, get them there to do all this treatment we got them to, to agree to? So um, a big, big one, obviously, was using a confirmation service. There's really no excuse this day and age to not be using an electronic confirmation service. There are so many great companies out there who do just this. Just, just confirm um, by text, by email, by phone call. So it's not even taxing on your your business team anymore. This is something that can be done, you know, while, while you're all sleeping or while you're all treating patients. Um, it's a great investment. There are still some who don't do it, which I really, and they didn't really have a good reason except that they they've always done it one way. Um, so why, you know, they've always done it manually. We've always called, but that's not really a good reason to not change, especially when you've got a room full of people saying there's all these really great companies and we've seen our no-shows decline by using them. Mm-hmm. So um, if you go over, you know, to the ADOM website or even to our uh, conference site, adomconference.com, you can see on our list of exhibitors some companies who do this who our members love. Um, and it's you get that too, you know, like I said, now even for a hair salon, we'll we'll text you and confirm an appointment. So there's really no reason not to, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know what's so great, and and you mentioned a lot of those companies and resources over on the Adom page, mm-hmm. uh, is that what is so cool about technology is that because of the speed of the way that a lot of these things are being developed, there's this great byproduct of these companies being in the marketplace because each one of them are trying to get a little bit better and create a, you know, a little better uh, functionality that the practice can use. And, it, and it's really making the industry better. It's making, like you said, that communication between patients uh, so much faster. Uh, people feel more connected. And I think that's what's great, you know, what you guys have done with your conference and all that stuff is that, you know, those companies are there. They, they want to they wanna be there. We, we mm-hmm. mentioned a little bit at your conference this past summer uh, I was amazed, Heather, at the, the companies there and talking to a lot of them and having them share their feedback of how much they valued the ADOM member feedback. You know, so many of mm-hmm. the ADOM members coming up and saying, hey, it would be great if you did this and great if you did this. And I saw a lot of those companies taking notes. Now, how many of them will go back, obviously, and, and add those things? But I wouldn't be surprised because of how quickly things oh, I wouldn't in. either. I wouldn't right? either because so, that's, yeah, that's how you make a better product. Yes. I mean, by listening to people who use it. And it's so fascinating to me, too, John, you're thinking of dentistry as kind of just working in the mouth. But like you said, when you look at all of the um, amazing technology, it's spawned as a byproduct. It's wonderful. It's, it's, um, it's really fascinating to watch the kind of ancillary technology develop and grow to accommodate the, the practice and their needs. Absolutely. So I know one of the things with no-shows that's probably been talked about for years is cancellation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know you and I were talking a bit about that, and that was one of the topics of discussion, but love to have you share that a little bit. Yep. So one of uh, the recommendations have the patient sign a cancellation policy. One of the first things they do. So if you cancel, this is the consequence. And once it's signed, you file it and you have it. And that will help decrease no-shows. They're, they're, they're signing something. It's their name. It's documented. And it's just it's good practice. And there's no harm in that. Um, charge patients if they cancel. And people have different rates that they charge. And if they have an issue with that, you just show them the policy they signed. And here it is, and this is what you agree to. 
Um, some practices will, you know, let the first cancellation be a courtesy, but the second and third, they charge. And sometimes, some of them would actually take the charge and apply it to the next visit. Um, <laughs> one practice, if a patient called to say, you know, I'm, I'm canceling because I'm not feeling well, you know, I'm canceling because my, my dog died, they'll actually send a card that day. You know, <laughs> we hope you're feeling better. We're sorry about your dog. And that really, A, you know, we heard you, we were listening to you, and we really hope you're feeling better. So, <laughs> um, and that seemed to help, that seemed to help quite a bit. So just something to, to keep in mind, uh, something kind of, kind of fun to keep in mind. Another practice recommended that you have hygiene schedule the appointment versus, um, you know, the front desk. So they have a personal relationship with the hygienist, and they found, the patient does, they found that when hygiene schedules the appointment themselves, um, to not only establish the relationship, then reinforce the relationship, they had a lower rate of no-shows. Yeah. Um, obviously, if they're running late, you want to do a follow-up call, reminder calls, and that goes back to, you know, using an electronic service to do those things. If you have sort of a repeat offender, um, this is where it got interesting, where they become a strain on the practice, you want to have a policy in place for that as well. So if someone has multiple no-shows, you can the recommendation was contact with a letter and then a phone call and then let them know, you know, you're, you're looking at possible dismissal from our practice. And that's okay. And most are, were happy to dismiss routine cancelers. Um, if someone had multiple cancellation offenses, um, they could not book same-day appointments. And a really important thing that, that came up, John, was just really just to set, set boundaries and keep them. So if you have a, a no-show cancellation policy and a patient has signed it and there's a consequence, you really need to stick to that. You really need to reinforce the boundaries. Um, that helps build the relationship with your patient and it sets clear expectations. If you have them sign something and they don't enforce it, they'll just keep canceling. Um, and then a cancellation, this was a very good one that our, our members shared that had really good results was you can only cancel with a live person. So you can't email and you can't text a cancellation. You can only call and speak to someone to cancel. And that, that, that seemed to help a lot. And I don't know if it's because it's a little more awkward to have to Yep. cancel <laughs> with someone versus sending a text um, or, you know, you can't do it at 2 a.m., but that, that actually had a, a nice um, effect on their no-show rate. Yeah, I think that's very powerful. And I would also think that over time that practice can know and understand like what are real reasons as to why mm-hmm. somebody would cancel just by the tone of their voice. And then certainly those that better not, like you said, based on those excuses and yeah, getting people from outside of their phones and their emails uh, definitely I'm sure works. That's a good one. Well, and, and it gives you a chance to convert as well. So, you know, if they're calling to say, I, I can't come in, I have to, you know, pick my child up at school at that, you know, something came up. Well, can you come in at four instead of three? So it does also give you that that possible conversion, which you right, can't get electronically. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So while we're talking about phones, uh, that's that <laughs> leads me to the next one. And and obviously everybody <laughs> passed this on to me before the interview of these three topics. Uh, they just seem to kind of fall into each other. But uh, as we're talking about phones, that third topic, 
that you mentioned that was really on people's minds was excessive social media by employees. This is interesting. Yeah. And this one has been so interesting for me to watch. I started Adon 15 years ago, you know, maybe like when social media was just MySpace or whatever. So we've kind of grown with social media and we've seen it evolve and the impact it has on a practice. And like you said, we're not talking about how to use social media to attract patients. We're talking about the disruption it causes within a practice when your team is on their phone all the time because they can't not check Facebook or they can't not check Instagram or they cannot be texting their friends. And that's a really disruptive force. And how do you control that? So this, I can tell you, is an issue in the majority of the practices. So if you're facing this challenge, you're not alone. This is something that um, it's going on everywhere, and it's not not a new frontier, but no one's just, you know, it's uh, still evolving. So it's difficult. And I remember it was a few years ago at a roundtable, um, the same topic came up, and a woman raised her hand to a 20-something-year-old employee, and they took her phone and said, you have to put it in your locker, and she refused to give it up. And I, they somehow got the phone from her. She went to a full-blown panic attack because she had never been without her phone, physically separated from her. So it's a real, it's a, it's a thing. It's a real issue, and it's something that's got to be addressed. So, again, some of the um, really good advice that our members shared who have had success with this, one was lead by example, obviously. You, can't cert- you, you certainly can't ask your team to not be on their phone if you're there texting away. Lead by example, put your phone away. Don't be on your phone. Um, some felt that, you know, just restrict cell phone use only during breaks and lunch. So we're not saying you can't use it. If you're on your break or you're on lunch, you can. One practice, John, and this was so interesting, said you can use your phone whenever you want. You just have to clock out to do it. So if you don't have a patient or you don't have anything to do, clock out, go outside, and come back in and clock back in, you know, when, when, when you're ready. And dropped. Nobody, nobody was on their phone again. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, you need a policy. And this I can't stress enough. You need a cell phone policy. Um, I think a good HR company should be able to help you develop a policy, but it's important that everyone on the team has the same policy, understands it, and signs it. So it should be put in the employee handbook. It should be signed and documented, and then, again, discipline according to policy. And I just want to go back a second. When I said lead by example, that is true for the office manager, but that is also true for the dentist. Right. and I hear this a lot. The dentist, he, you know, he, she is on their phone all day. They're in their office and checking stocks and playing games. No, you, you can't, as a leader, expect your team to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. So, you know, as a doctor, if you're listening, truly you have to lead by example and put the phone away. Um, another one, let's see, was, oh, and this, this one I think was kind of funny too. So along the lines of you can use your phone if you clock out was one doctor said, I'm just going to get ahead of the problem. And he bought all of his employees Apple Watches. And they all had Apple Watches. And he said, you don't need your phone. You, you can do whatever you want on your wrist. And it almost like took the temptation away from it. You know, took, right. it, took the temptation out of the equation. And they saw their social media troubles go away. So it was an investment on the doctor's part, but a good one. Really good one. They had 
really no issues beyond that. So those are just some, some fun tips and tricks um, that, that we shared with each other about excessive, excessive social media. But if I had to say one, one point about it, it's got to be a written policy. This is when it's allowed. This is why it's allowed. And this is what happens if you break the policy in the handbook and sign undocumented. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, and again, like you said, I think you combine that with leading by example. Yeah. Uh, because the minute that it happens, and, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that uh, with the way that so many of us have been accustomed to being able to check things and so frequently that that first couple of days, it, like you said, if a policy is not put in place and, you know, watching people kind of get, you know, fidgety, I bet you it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Although the other side of it too, you could look at it like this, which is, you know, hey, you can't check your notifications till the end of the day, but if you get on your phone and you see you have 27 notifications, at least you feel popular. You know, the longer I make you, <laughs> right? You know, like, yeah. like if you can check them every 10 minutes, like you, you're not going to see anything. But holy cow, like everybody at three o'clock gets a break and they're like, I got 56 notifications. Man, this is unbelievable, right? And you're, you well, know, that's so- kind of funny and I never thought of it like that. You can almost make a contest out of it. Like no one's going to look at their phone until three o'clock and whoever has the most likes, you know, win, <laughs> wins for the day. So. And- I know. Yeah, yeah, it's just this is a tough Pretty one, tough. but but I think the fact that, like you said, Heather, that this was one of those topics, it certainly is an issue. And I can, I think, what would also be interesting would be get perspective from patients, right? Because uh-huh. you know, I'm sure you know there's going to be some correlation. There's a lot of these practices are trying to figure out why patients won't accept their treatment plan. How many of these <laughs> patients in some of these examples really truly feel like the practice is paying attention? to what they're doing or they're distracted. So very, very interesting correlation, point. I think, as we move forward with. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, and, and, you know, they're working on your mouth. Like what's more important than that? You, you, the patient needs to know they have your full attention. So yeah, you want to talk about attracting patients, keeping patients, not having patients canceled, give them your full attention. Yeah, absolutely. So there, um, there was a bonus one. I know we mentioned three, but uh, I know, uh, the roundtable, there was another topic that was discussed, which is always a popular one, attracting new patients. But I'm, I'm very curious, kind of, you know, in this day and age with, with dentistry and all the changes and, and more and more practices, what, what, were, what was some of the conversation around that one? There was quite a bit. And, you know, it's so much of it. it I, I don't think the, the average person realizes how much of, even within dentistry, how much of these things fall or are the responsibility of the office manager the treatment acceptance, the no-shows, the cancellations, the attracting new patients. So they're not really just, you know, running the front desk. There's a whole other layer of patient care and patient relationship that they're responsible for. So it's just something to be mindful of um, when you think of the role of the office manager and what they're responsible for. It's a lot. And my hat is off to them. I mean, there's just so much they need to do. And so many of them really take it to heart. You know, their, their practice is their passion. Um, so how do we attract new patients, right? So you can't have them come in for treatment if you don't have new patients. Um, the, the biggest, um, probably piece of advice that everyone offered was internal marketing. Just ask for referrals. You know, that's simple. If you have a patient who's happy with your services, ask for referrals and it's free and it's genuine and it works. Um, one 
one practice, they will give their patient, um, yeah, their patient, two cards that, you know, we, we really value you as a patient. Here are two business cards that we'd like you to pass along to family or friends, and on the back is some offer, you know, whatever it may be, free whitening or $50 off. But the trick is to only give two. Because if you give them 10, it's not as special. So if you give them two, they really have to be, you really have to think about who they want to pass that along to. So that was kind of neat. Um, sending thank you notes and gift cards for referring. So now someone has taken that referral card. They've sent someone to your practice. Recognize that. You know, um, recognize your long-term patients. Some practices were saying, you know, they've been in the same town for 10, 20, 30 years, and they have, you know, grown with their patients and with their patient base and have seen marriages and babies and deaths and to kind of recognize those things because there is corporate dentistry and then there is, you know, the, the, the solo dentist or the dentist who has, a, you know, a few locations. How do you maintain that personal touch? It's so important. And that really, um, that's not attracting, attracting a new patient per se, but it's going to get your existing patient base to refer to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And and this is something that uh, I know has always been very near and dear to my heart, which is the practice within the practice, right? The the patients that have been coming there for a long time, and many of which still have a lot of treatment that needs to get done. And so there really is a balance between attracting the new patients, like you mentioned, and then taking care of your existing. And, and, and you're exactly right, Heather. I think that there it, it can get lost because there needs to be a, a large amount of energy att- to attracting the new patients. But something as simple as taking care of the ones that you got uh, yep. could sometimes be the best strategy, right? I mean, they're you know, still to this day, I mean, most of the time when I go to see a movie, it's not because I saw it anywhere. It's because somebody told me that I needed to go see it, you know? So yeah, I love and, that. and overwhelmingly, that was the consensus to attract new patients, just take good care of your current patients, not just physical care, just take care of those relationships and yeah. they will send new patients your way. Second to that, um, the one, the, the, the practice within the practice that had probably the most staggering effect was a shifting of hours. So one practice that was a Monday to Friday practice started opening on Saturdays. And they started seeing up to 50% more patients <laughs> by opening on Saturdays, um, which is huge. I mean, you, yeah. you, can't, you, you, can't, you can't buy that through marketing. It was just a matter right. of being available. Right. Um, and also evening hours helped quite a few practices where, you know, instead of being a Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, they added evening hours. And that helped quite a bit. So I would say if you can and if your dentist is open to it, shift your hours up add evenings, add Saturdays, and not every Saturday, maybe every other Saturday to start. But bring in the, you know, that will help attract patients who need care on off hours. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and something along that lines too, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, not necessarily every Saturday. And I've seen this in the past. When practices do commit to this and they go down that path, I think like any other type of marketing there's, there's a patience, there's a level of patience that needs to be required here, right? You have to give this a little bit of time because mm-hmm. I think sometimes I've seen it where a practice will decide to open up on a Saturday. And then that first <laughs> month, they don't see, right. They don't see as many as they thought they were like, Oh, this is not going to work. But just like any other type of marketing, right. It takes time for that word to get out for people to know that you're open to really then, you know, I, I mean, just, you know, give that time. I, I would imagine, you know, is something too that, that could be helpful. 
I think that's a great point. Yeah. I, I, your first Saturday, you might be sitting there, you know, just twiddling your thumbs. But And I would say commit to a, maybe a timeline ahead of time. So we're going to yeah. do this for six months. We're going to commit to this for six months. We're going to commit to this for a year. Right. And let it play out and, and give it time to, to stick. So uh, that's a really good point. Let's see. Another um, way that our members are attracting new patients is by social media presence. Different than being on, <laughs> on social media is having a social media presence for your practice. And that goes along with having a good website. Um, like you said, you know, with a movie, first you're going to hear about it. Someone will say, I saw this really good movie. And then you might Google movie and say, let me, let me see what it's all about. Is that something I want to go see? So someone might tell you about a practice. The next thing they're going to do is look up the practice. So you want to make sure you have a good, clean, current website. Um, there's, I would not recommend you do that yourself. Tons of really, really good companies who can help you build a great practice website that specializes just in dental. Again, head over to dentalmanagers.com or adomconference.com uh, or contact us. We can um, make some recommendations of companies our members have had a lot of success with. And a lot of those companies will also help you with your social media presence. Um, whether that is a blog or, you know, your Facebook post or Instagram post, and especially for attracting younger patients, you're going to want that. So um, it's, it's an important component. And I think most, one that most of our members have embraced, um, and there should be someone in the practice responsible for it. So you're going to want to have a social media manager, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to do everything yourself. Sometimes the social media is better done internally just because it's more genuine, um, but when it comes to a w good website, which, like I said, is the second step they're going to take after they've heard about your practice, you really want to make sure it's good and clean and inviting and up-to-date. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, it's it's interesting on that social media note. You know, there are so many ways now to uh, communicate with patients, right? I mean, that's that's the one positive that social media and technology has brought to our profession is it has – allowed, I guess is the best way I like to describe it. So for years, as you know, Heather, a lot of these tools or marketing tools could only be used by bigger companies, companies that had the budget to use a lot of these marketing tools. Well, as you know, like technology and social media has shrunk that. So now what you have is you have a, uh, what could be maybe a dental practice in a smaller community or even one in a larger community that has the same technology resources as everybody else. So if there's somebody in the practice that wanted to do a weekly video where they were, you know, introducing the people in the community to their practice and getting a lot of the people in the community to understand and connect to their personalities. You can do that. Right. And, and when we look at so many of these videos that go viral, when, when there's something catchy on there and video, it's just, it's another element. And I'm glad you mentioned that somebody in the practice has to manage that. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe that person still, if they're on their own social media, should check out and not get paid and be off the clock because <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. And it's exciting. I think that I'm, you're seeing more and more practices that are embracing the website, the social media in a positive way. In, in a positive way. And, and yeah. you know, you, you really have to now. I mean, that's how we communicate. Um, there should, like I said, be one person responsible for for the social media of the practice, but you never want that person setting up the account in their name. Everything should be set in the practice name, and then you always want a second person to have that login information. So if the first person were to leave, you're not locked out of your own social media account. Right. That's something right. that came up with our attendees. Yep. Um, 
you know, that's, that's something you don't want to give 100% to one person because, like I said, if you can go to another practice, you're, you're in, in a bind. Uh, the other thing I like about social media, and I even see it with Adam, you know, we do a lot of our own social media. It's fun, and it brings the practice together, yeah. and it's, yeah. you know, celebrating someone's birthday or, like you said, making a funny video. And these things may sound silly, and who has time for that, but it really is just a quick way to make the day fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no question. And, and, and how important is that? And, and again, I think that for every uh, potential uh, negative aspect of, of what it is there, there really, if you embrace it are four to five positive ways to use it uh, in a way that makes everybody feel more involved and, 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 and so on and so forth. And, and especially, I think that, you know, it used to be in the communities that the only way that you could let people know that you were either a dental practice that was doing this was through the standard form of marketing or you saw them at the grocery or whatever the case may be. But now uh, there there are so many different ways for them to learn mm-hmm. about you. And I think I'm glad you brought it up, Heather, because those little things matter, right? It's like I, I may see something four, five, six times, but then the next time I'm sitting on the couch or somebody says, hey, we're looking for a dentist or dental practice, that stuff sticks. It really, really does. So it it, it, it does matter. It really does. And, and, and the fun things matter. So, you know, I'm a dog lover. So if someone posts something about a dog, I'm going to look at it. And I, I might not be thinking about my teeth, but the next time I, you know, need to make a dental appointment that I, I now have a connection, you know, so it's something no one wants to look at bloody gums really necessarily. Right. So you, you kind of want to put in that, that, that fun element. One of our members, something they did to attract new patients, um, their doctor made business cards for every team member. So every team member had not a practice card, but their very own business card that yeah. they carry on them all the time. The doctor also had them, he made them um, nice logoed apparel. So not scrubs, but like Under Armour, yeah. you know, stuff yep. to wear to the gym with the practice logo on it. So that's just a neat way to spark conversations. Like you said, if you're out at the grocery, you know, which does happen because it's a local thing. You know, dentistry, it's a local thing. You're going to see people at the gym or at the grocery store. Oh, you work at a dental practice? I do because I have my Under Armour shirt on that has my practice name and here's my card. So call me. Um, yep. Little things, but, you know, they go a long way. And and I think something like that too brings a sense of pride to the team members. You know, I have my own really nice, apparel to wear outside of the practice and I have my own business card and they're happy to share that. Yeah. I mean, here's a great example. As we wrap on this, I was at breakfast this morning and my three-year-old daughter was like, guess what, daddy, the tooth fairy is coming to school today. Well, we know who the tooth fairy is. It's one of the local, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, pedo offices, but, but you know, there it was. I mean, that, that, that type of those little things go a long way to where people are, you know, talking about it in their own homes and and they don't realize the, Mm -hmm. The, the impact that, you know, something little like that has. So great stuff. Heather, this has been awesome. I mean, I was literally just kind of going through here. I mean, you want to talk about nuggets. And I think what's great about so many of these, like you said, to, to get this thing kicked off is this, this is from, you know, the ADOM members. This is from what they're seeing. This is from what they're learning. This is how they're solving problems. This is right from, you know, uh, the practices. So uh, thank you so much for putting all this Good together. And, 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 and yeah, I'm excited for this. I just want to end my with one funny little story that, um, you know, we're talking about sending cards when a patient tells you they don't feel well or, you know, their dog died. So uh, one member, a patient called and said, I'm so sorry, I need to cancel. And she said, why? And you know, what happened? She said, my grandmother died. And she said, your grandmother must, must have been a really special age. She goes, 
She was. How did you know that? She said, because she's died three times already. (laughs) (laughs) So they kind of, you know, kept track of things. So anyway, good stuff. And and like I said, these were the top three. I think we covered at Yankee probably 10 or 11 topics. So I can go on for days. So maybe we'll, we'll pick up another time, but these, these were definitely the top three. Um, as far as kind of the day-to-day pain points. So hopefully some of the advice I was able to share can help someone somewhere along the way. Yeah. And, and, you know, in closing, I just, I just want to say to everybody out there listening, you know, Heather and her team, when we talk about ADOM radio, I'm getting very excited because we're continuing to make great traction. There are more and more ADOM members and, and, and people listening to it on a daily basis. And I'm excited. I'm excited because you know, when, when, when Heather and her team are able to get information like this from other members and we have this medium to be able to send it out, it's only going to help everybody. And, and, and I just, I'm excited about where we're going with the podcast. And for any of you out there that have colleagues, you know, please, you know, let them, you know, talk to them about it on radio, you know, lead them over to, to, to the dental manager's website. Uh, Heather, you and your team are doing such a great job and it's an honor for me to host this podcast. So very excited about 2019. Yeah, thank you for Adom Radio. We've gotten such tremendous feedback uh, on all the content, so it's it's really it's it's been a great resource for our members. Excellent. All right. Well, listen, you have a wonderful week, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Heather. All right. Bye bye. That's a wrap. Hope you enjoyed this episode on Adom Radio. Two quick things. If you enjoyed it and would love to hear more episodes, head out to iTunes and or Google Play and download Adom Radio. Go ahead and actually subscribe to the podcast. That way, as we do more episodes, they will come through on your device of choice. Also, I want to encourage you to head out to the Adom website, dentalmanagers.com. That's dentalmanagers.com. There are so many great resources on there. If you're a member, there's new stuff. You can sign up for the Adom Conference, which is the event of the year, which is in July this year in Orlando, July 18th to the 20th. But also, if you have any colleagues out there that are not ADOM members, they're doing some great things this year with membership. The resources are super abundant, so be sure to check it out. That's dentalmanagers.com. Dentalmanagers.com. Thanks for joining us.